Welcome back, everybody. It's a great day every day that we can be here to worship. So if you can, join us in worship. You can stand up. I know that we have all this masked in, but if you're on your own and you have nobody around and you want to get it down so you can sing, it's good. Whatever makes you comfortable. This is our worshiping the Lord, not all making anybody comfortable about it, okay? So let's give it a try and let's do something also. If you can help us with your hands, that is great. Let's put some energy over here. This is not just a moment that we come, oh. Time for the worship. And we just listen. No, let's, let's, put some, let's put some enthusiasm to it because there's no greater thing to do than to worship our Lord since at the end of the day, we will worship him forever, but they're in heaven. That's the greatest price. That is the greatest gift. That is the greatest blessing. And we as Christians can know that one day we will be able to do it. Awesome. So that, like I told once on a, on a post a long time ago, this is just practice. We're just rehearsing. For the day that we're in heaven and worshiping all day, okay? So, let's give it a try. Go something like this. And with a big smile. You make me pray 
shore into the way you make me pray you make me pray no fear can hinder now that love is made away you make me pray you make me pray you call me out beyond the shore into the way Cause you make me brave, you make me brave No fear can hinder now the promises you made Cause you make me brave, you make me brave You call me out beyond the shore into the waves Cause you make me brave, you Crushes over me, crushes over me, for you are for us, you are not against us. Champion of heaven, you made a way for all to enter as you love. Wave after wave, crushes over me. Crushes over me, for you are for us. You are not against us. Champion of heaven, you made a way for all to enter. Heaven, you made a way for all to enter. Welcome everybody to our church. It's a great day every day that we can be here. Let's take a moment and bow down and pray. Um, thank you, Lord, for the day that we have here. Thank you, Lord, because we're healthy enough to be here worshiping you. Bless those who are worshiping somewhere else and give health to those who don't have it. So we can all come together and exalt your name, the only name that is worthy of it. Bless everything that we do here, God, and that on everything that we do, we may be able to see you. Because in your name we pray. Amen. Savior, I come. Quiet my soul. Remember, Redemption's Hill, where your blood was spilled for my ransom. Everything I once held dear, I counted all as lost. Lead me to the cross. Where your love poured out, bring me to my knees, Lord, and lay me down. Rid me of myself, 
sovereign Lord of all creation Holy, holy our God Every tribe and tongue Lift your voice as one He is greatly to be praised Sing to the Yeah. 
Let's adore Him. Holy, holy our God. Sing to the Lord, oh my soul. Let the heavens shout for joy. Great is our God. Great is our God. Exalt your name, your purpose. And make sure that as we leave this place today, we're not the same people who came in. Let us shed a little bit of that sinful skin, of that selfish skin, and show a little bit more of the light that you have within us. In your name I pray. The word gospel translates to news that brings joy. But this isn't just any news. A gospel is news that changes a life forever. After being invaded and enslaved by Persia, Greece won two decisive battles at Marathon and Solnis. The Greeks sent out heralds, also called evangelists, to proclaim the good news to the cities. We have fought for you. We have won. And now you're no longer slaves. You're free. The reality is that we are all slaves, slaves to sin and slaves to death. We are slaves in need of good news. Enter Jesus, God's Son, fully God, fully man, bringing news that would change our lives forever. His news was this, I am the divine, come to you to do what you could not do for yourself. I will take what you deserve so you can have what I deserve. You have no idea how much it will cost me, but you also cannot imagine the depths of my love for you. It is a gift that I give freely. So repent. Repent from all the ways you run from me and follow me. Follow me because I am the only way to eternal life. Follow me because I'm the savior you've been looking for. Follow me because I have authority over everything, yet I have humbled myself for you. Follow me because I died on a cross for you because I'm your true love and your true life. This is my good news for you. This is my gospel, that you have been saved by grace. 
and that you are slaves no more. Sorry, Turks, that was, that was me. We're still figuring out parts of the, the stuff. Are we good? Upstairs? Awesome. Um, church, good morning. Welcome back. Uh, and it's good to, have, to see so many faces again back in the church. And uh, I know that we have a lot of folks watching online, so we welcome them into our worship service. And uh, slowly, you know, we're trying to get back used to the new normal. We're being uh, good to you in here with sound and media. We're also trying to figure that out out there. So slowly but surely, it's coming along, and we thank the folks who are working so hard uh, to make that happen. I remind you that both sides door are, side doors are open to ventilate. So if, uh, if you feel comfortable, you can breathe fresh air. I don't want anybody fainting during a sermon, even though it might be very good. Um, you know, the sermon might be great, but nonetheless, you can breathe a little bit. If you want to cover your mouth, that's okay. We just want you to have a good worship experience. Our worship, um, our scripture lesson for today for our worship service is taken from Galatians chapter 3, the first 14 verses. I'll be reading them to you. Uh, they'll be behind me here. And I just remind you, it's a little bit smaller right now because we're still streaming live. So what you're watching uh, behind me is what people are seeing at home. Uh, so that's why the, the, the songs and some of the, the, the scripture lesson will be a little bit smaller. But nonetheless, if you want to hold the Bible in your hands, uh, if you're not afraid of doing that, the blue ones in front of you are the ones in English. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14, Word of God. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? Or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing, if it really was for nothing? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? Consider Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Curse is everyone who is hung on a tree. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Church, let's pray together for a second. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can pause on this beautiful Sunday morning and slowly as we continue to take small steps, uh, in, uh, in meeting together as a family of faith, as a church. We just thank you uh, for what you're doing here. We thank you for what you're doing in honor of our lives. We thank you for the protection that you are extending over us. Father, we pray that you would bring healing to our city, to our state, to our nation. We continue, God, to pray for much wisdom uh, for the leadership of this country, of our communities, Father. And Lord, above all else, that you would bring peace, that you would bring peace where there is anxiety, that you would bring peace uh, where there is conflict, that you will bring peace where there is anger. And now, Heavenly Father, as we have praised your name, now we look to your word and we praise you for it. Speak to us through it, Father. We want to hear your voice this morning. 
We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, church, uh, very quickly, in form of a mini-summary, Paul has been, we've been working our way through, through this letter to the Galatians. Paul is trying to recover these four little churches that were in a district called Galatia. And the big issue that's happening there is very simple. Uh, there are these men who came up from Jerusalem. Galatia is kind of in modern-day Turkey. They came up from Jerusalem, and they said, you know, this guy Paul, he preaches a very nice message and everything, but who made him an apostle? Who gave him these words to say? And by the way, if you really want to be a Christian, it has to be Jesus plus circumcision, Jesus plus the law. In other words, the, the message of the gospel is incomplete. It has to be Jesus plus. And Paul now is coming back around and he's visiting these churches and he's hearing, you know, from people. It's like, no, but Paul, they told us and they said. And so Paul now, having gone away from the four churches, is writing a letter back to them. He's writing this letter back and he's trying to explain the beauty and the simplicity of the gospel. And this happens to us in our culture as well. There are many churches, there are many uh, pastors out there that sometimes will say, well, you know, because if you do this and if you do that and you have to do these things and you have to pray this way, you have to, then, you know, God, it's like, no, there is no then. And there is no do it this way. There is gospel and there is change. And that's the beauty of this letter to the Galatians. And that's the beauty of last week and kind of this week where Paul pushes further into it. And I'll unpack it for you here very quickly. So here's what Paul is saying. I love the fact that he, that he comes out and he even uses the word, you know, who has bewitched you? It's like, who, who has pulled the wool over your eyes? Who is lying to you, right? Who has cast a spell on you? This is ancient world language. And he's saying, why would you... Having met Jesus, having been changed by Jesus, your lives are different, you talk different, you think differently, you praise differently, you love God differently. Why would you go backwards? That makes no sense whatsoever. Why would you take a step back? And so he goes after, he goes after one very powerful thing. He says, let me ask you a question. When you receive the Holy Spirit, remember in the ancient world when the church is beginning, the, the freedom and the liberation that the gospel brings, and it's just, it's just to bring it to us today, uh, people would experience this outpouring of the Spirit where they would throw their hands up in the air in praise, they would weep and cry, they would walk around with a different air of confidence, and that should still be happening today, by the way. When we hear the gospel, when we meet Jesus Christ, every day that we wake up to Jesus Christ should be a Holy Spirit experience. It should be something that you walk out your door with a mask on, you walk out your door, and you, even though people can't see the awe of your face, there is a sense of strength and a sense of pride and a sense of confidence because you know that you have been saved by Christ, you have been changed, your, your destiny is different. And so Paul is saying, you know what, when I preached the gospel to you, when you heard this message of Jesus, when you heard a message of just free grace by God, the Spirit came upon you, it changed you, we worship together, we cry together, we laugh together, you guys live a different life. Now, did that happen because of the law? Did I show up and start reading off the, old, the, the Ten Commandments? Did I show up and start reading off the Old Testament? And the answer is no. And so he's kind of pushing the point of how exactly were you changed? How exactly did you receive the Spirit? How exactly did your life change? Was it by the gospel or was it because of the law? Was it because of what you were doing or because of what Jesus was doing? So then he goes to Christ crucified. This is a very beautiful phrase here that he says in, the, in, this, first, in this first sentence. I'll read it for you again. It says, before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified. He goes to them and he says, you know what? 
I never stood in front of you and I read off a bunch of rules. I never stood in front of you and said, well, if we do these religious exercises, you're going to experience change. If we just kind of check these things off a list, then, then you're going to change completely. No, 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 no. I presented Jesus crucified to you. Now, the Greek word there is very beautiful. It's very powerful. He is saying that the cross of Jesus, basically on a poster, that's what the word means, one of the meanings. It says Jesus was portrayed to you as if he was on a billboard, this beautiful crucifixion for everyone to see, for everyone to witness. That's why he says you saw it with your own eyes. I presented it to you, but you could almost see it. And I just want you to understand that that's what God has done with Christ. That's why the cross wasn't just like off on the side of, a, of Jerusalem. It was up on a hill. It was on a hill. So, and Roman, the Romans didn't do that on purpose. They would, always, they would always put you on the outside of town, first of all, for the people to understand that the person who was outside of town was cursed. But then the Romans wanted everybody to understand as they came in and out of town, this is what happens when you break the law. That's all human stuff. The reason that God puts Christ on Calvary is nice and high so everybody can see the billboard, the announcement, the poster that is Jesus Christ. It's, been, it's interesting to see how slowly the billboards are disappearing. For those of you who are a little bit older, if you remember, there were billboards all the time, all around the city. Now they're kind of disappearing more and more. Some of them are electronic. But nonetheless, they're there, and, they, and they're meant to capture your eye. They're meant to be like oversized and jumbo-sized so that as you're driving by, you're like, you don't have to make an effort. It's in your face. That's what Paul is saying. The cross of Jesus, the sacrifice of Christ, it's in your face. It's a billboard. It's a poster. It's a massive announcement that nobody can get around in, that nobody can miss. There it is. But then the language there goes a little deeper, as Paul always does. The word he chooses for poster and announcement is also the word for in the ancient world when a father would give up on their son. And he would go to the town gate, he would write a, a note, and he would post it to the town gate. And in, that, and in that note, he would say, I renounce my son because I'm not going to pay the debt that he owes. His son has gotten in trouble, maybe his daughter had gotten in trouble, and he's like, I'm not going to pay off your debt, I'm not going to clean up your mess. And so the father would go out, hammer that to the town, to the entrance of the gate of the town. And when people walked in, they say, oh, you know, so-and-so kid who lives on so-and-so street, their dad has given up on them. Dad has said, no more. I'm not going to pay your debt. And the beauty of what Paul is saying is, God paid your debt for you. There is no debt to pay. There is no work to do. Take it freely. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Delight in it. It is a gift from God given to you freely from God, not because of what you've done, but because of his great love for you. Look at your own experience, Paul says. Look at, look at what happened to you. Did it happen because someone said, well, you need to do X, Y, Z because they read some rules to you, or did it happen just because you heard the gospel and you responded? But then Paul goes a little bit deeper. Look how pretty in verse 6 going into 7. So also Abraham believed God and it was credit to him as righteousness. So Paul says, you know what? These guys who came up from Jerusalem and have been causing confusion in all these churches, they love Moses. He's, he's their favorite because Moses was the lawgiver. He was the one who went up to the top of Mount Sinai, received the commandments, brought them down, golden calf. He got upset. He broke them. Let's go get him again. He added all the extra uh, rules to, to Israel. He says, you know what? Since they love Moses so much, let me go back a little further. Let's go back to Abraham where our nation was born. So he goes, to, he goes back to Abraham, and he notices he wants them to understand something. First of all, to the Gentiles who are sitting in the, this new church, they have no idea who Abraham is, first of all. They have no idea who Moses is. They have no idea what the law is. So he's saying, okay, to you Gentiles, 
right? For those of you who receive Jesus, you don't even know what it is. How on earth can you fall now and say, well, I need the law in order to be saved? You don't even know what the law is. But now he's speaking to write to, to the Israel component, to the Hebrew component of the church. And he's saying, you know, do you remember Abraham? When he would say the name, immediately they would go back in history and say, okay, so Abraham was, was called out of, out of nowhere. Here is this guy who is sitting, praying to God, and he's enjoying his life, and he's very peaceful. He's an older man, older wife, has huge herds, huge land, and God says, pack up your stuff, we're going somewhere else. And I'm going to give you a, a, a great name, and I'm going to give you a new land, and I'm going to give you descendants. Two times in the Old Testament, Abraham is shown the sky. Think about the ancient world sky. There's no lights. There's no city lights. For those of you, I know that Robert is here today. He loves to go uh, watching. He loves to watch the stars. When you, he took me out to the Everglades one time years ago. And when you're out there and there's no, there's no lights in the city, it's beautiful. The sky's full of stars, just dense. Imagine the ancient world. With no light whatsoever, the, the, the sky must have felt like it was going to fall on you. So God says to them one time, do you see all those stars? You're going to have more kids than those. But then to push the point further, God one time says to Abraham, do you see the sand that you can kind of pick up a hand? You're going to have more kids than that. And he's like, oh. So now Abraham has two choices. He either thinks that he's absolutely crazy, right, or he believes in what God is saying. And Abraham chose to believe. Abraham did what is most frightening to us. To trust God's word. The hardest step to take, I will believe in what God is saying. I will trust in his word. So Paul is saying, so here you have Abraham, right? Moses not even born yet for generations. You have Abraham all the way over here. And Abraham is just listening to God. He's taking in this promise. And he believes. And because he believes, because he puts faith in the word of God, God gives him righteousness. God justifies him. God makes him right with himself. No law, no rule, right? no checklist. Abraham simply heard the word of God, heard the promise of God, and said, I will believe. And Paul is saying, if you believe that you're a child of Abraham, then why don't we live as our, let's put that in quotes, our father did, the father of our nation did. He lived by faith. And his faith made him right with God, justified him before God. He didn't have to do anything. There were no rules to follow. The law doesn't exist. I remind you, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12, the 12 are families, the 12 become tribes, and then generations later, there are millions in Egypt. That's where Moses is. Abraham is all the way over here. No law, no rule. Saved, made right with God. So Paul is saying, okay, so are we children of Abraham or are we children of Moses? I'm going to take you back way before. And here's Abraham who lived what he believed. He trusted the word of God and he was made right with God because he put his trust in God. But then he goes further. He says, do you remember Genesis chapter 12? The last little line there in those first three or four verses. What does God say to Abraham? He says, and you will be a blessing to all the nations. And now he's telling the Galatians, if you believe that word, you already are enjoying the blessing. The blessing is that you are children of Abraham, not by flesh and blood, not by belonging to a country, but by belonging to the faith. You believe, the same way that he believed, you believed, and that belief is what saves you. That belief is what makes you right with God. So we begin to close. 
I want to be a little shorter because I know we're, being, we're getting used to just sitting in a room with other people around us. So I don't want anybody to get antsy. Look at here how Paul closes. This is very powerful. All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. But then he comes and says, but no one is justified by the law. The righteous will live by faith. See, here's the thing, uh, church. The Bible presents, and Paul quotes it for us here. The Bible presents two ways to be saved. Two. Right, you're saying, wait a minute, but I thought it was, you've always preached there's only one way to be saved. Yes, the Bible presents two. The Bible says, you know what? If you want to live by, by, by the law, then you must obey the law perfectly. And, the, and here's the thing about the law. The law is an expression of God's very character. God is the standard. God is the law and so much more. So the Bible says, you know what? If you want to try to live by the law, if you want to check things off a list, then you must check everything off that list perfectly. It doesn't give you any wiggle room. It's black and white. Either you obey it all or you don't obey it at all. But if you try to obey it all and you fail, you are condemned. The law has a dead end. It's, it's, a, it's a very ugly cul-de-sac. That it has no, nowhere else to go. So that's why Paul quotes it. He says, look, if you want to talk about law, we can talk about law. In fact, I was the one who was living out the law as a Pharisee. I lived it perfectly, as I said last week. And every time I lived it perfectly, I realized that God got farther and farther and farther away. So he's saying the law is not the answer. The law reminds you that God is God and he is a standard and he is a norm that we just can't reach. And every time I tried to climb that ladder, he just got farther and farther and farther away. This is why the individuals who, who try to make Christianity into a set of rules burn out of church or they drive everybody else in church crazy. Why? Because they have a certain set of rules. And if these rules and if these rituals and if these traditions are followed, then everything will be okay. And Paul is saying that's hogwash. That couldn't be farther from the truth. So then what's the alternative? The alternative is the quote from uh, Habakkuk chapter 2. The righteous shall live by faith. I told you the story of Martin Luther last week. Here was Luther studying to be a monk. He's crawling up that beautiful stairway. And all of a sudden, this is the verse that flashes in his mind. He's like, wait a second. I'm learning all these rituals and these traditions and these customs, and those things are supposed to make me right with God. But how many religions and customs do I have to do to be right with God? With a perfect God. With, with, a, with a standard that is so beyond my understanding. And then that little phrase flashes across his mind. And you, for those of you who were here last week, for those of you who were watching last week, I told you, he stands up in the middle of his religious exercise, cleans his hands off, dusts his off, and he walks out. And he starts the Protestant Reformation. And that's one of the reasons why we're sitting here today. He says, no, you cannot do enough to save yourself. You cannot behave well enough. You cannot obey the law enough in order to be saved. We have to live by faith. If you want to try to save yourself by the law, you will end up condemned. But then, as only Paul can do, he pushes it a little bit further. And here's where we close. He says, but Jesus took the curse for us. Aha. So Paul now says, and here's the thing, church. He's talking to the Galatians. He's talking to us. He says, you know, all of us, unfortunately, are judged by the law of God. We're judged by it. There's no way around it. And the sad part is we can't keep it. So we have arrived, we are between, you know, a rock and a hard place, as they say. There's, there's, nowhere, there's, no, there's nowhere to go because that's what's judging us. That's the standard. 
and we can't live under, up to the standard, and everyone who doesn't live up to the standard is condemned. Enter Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ obeys it perfectly. He obeys the law perfectly. God looks at his son and says, aha, someone who has perfectly obeyed the law, pay attention, someone who looks just like me. There he is. I found him. And then Jesus at the cross does something so special. He says, I'm going to give you my perfect obedience to God's law so that you would look like God. And I'm going to take your disobedience to the law, something that you cannot live up to, and I'm going to put it on myself. And that's the beautiful exchange where all of a sudden God looks on us and he sees Jesus. He sees the obedience of his son. He says, oh, look, there's another one that looks like me. And there's another one and another one and another one. Oh, they must be a church. That's the church of the redeemed, the ransomed, the obedient ones. Oh, so there they, there they are. They're all together. And then when he looked on the cross, he saw all of our disobedience. He saw broken rules. He saw standards that we couldn't live up to. And that's why the judgment falls on Christ. Because he could take it and we couldn't. And that's the beautiful exchange that Paul is saying, how on earth can you give that up for following some rules? Come back home, Galatians. Come back home. And then, as only Paul says, and, and this is one of his favorite phrases, that can only happen in Christ. It doesn't happen when you're just a good person, when you just pray a little bit, when you hang out with some good people, when you're just kind of dropping in out of church. No, no, it happens when you are in Christ. What does that mean? It means when you have said, Jesus, I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. That's when you enter in to the sphere that is Jesus Christ. Not entering into a church. You're entering into his presence. You are in Christ. And it's only when you are in Christ that the exchange happens. You can be as good a person as you want. You can pray on and off as you want. You can give all the money you want. You can help out the poor as much as you want. You can volunteer in church as much as you want. Unless you are in Christ, that exchange is not yours. And that's why it's so important for us to have, as you've heard me say before, the most important 15 seconds of your life where you bow your head and you say, Jesus, I see my sin. I see my faults. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of those sins. Free me from death. Set a place at your table for me for eternity. I am yours. And in just those 15 seconds, you go from being outside of Christ to being in Christ. And the transfer has happened. All of your disobedience and all of the sin falls on him at the cross of Calvary. And all of a sudden, when God looks down on you, he smiles because he sees his son. And isn't it amazing to wake up in the morning and know that God is smiling down on you. And there was a cost to that. I think we all know that. It's free for us, as you've heard me say for the last two weeks. The exchange is free. It takes 15 seconds and then a life lived in gratitude to God, but it cost Jesus everything. It cost him everything. Body broken, blood shed. And remember that Jesus changes himself forever in this way because of he, because he loves you. And I, and I just, I love repeating it from time to time because I want you, I would love for you to just delight in how much God loves you so that it can just change you. Jesus Christ, before he is born in Bethlehem and we celebrate Christmas, 
does not have a human body. God is spirit. And Jesus, as God the Son, is also spirit in eternity. He takes on a human body to rescue us. He alters himself. Not the God part. He's always God. But he changes his form to be like us. And when he returns, after he's resurrected and he appears over 50 days, when he returns to heaven, like uh, Dr. Swain, uh, one of my professors at RTS, used to say, he doesn't arrive in heaven and say, Woo, wow, that was pretty intense down there. And he unzips it and he hangs it in the closet. He never takes off this human body. It stays on him, glorified forever. When you arrive in heaven, when the new heavens and the new earth arrive, you are going to see a physical Jesus. And I just want you to remember, oh man, Pastor Edwin told me that. that if you just remember one thing, I'll be happy. Just remember this one thing. He wasn't like that before. He is like that now. And forever, forever, you will witness Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. And here's the more powerful thing about that. Not only that he takes on a body for eternity, but that when the disciples saw him, after he was resurrected, after he was glorified, because remember, they had trouble recognizing who he was until he spoke. It's like, oh yeah, this huge there's enough of a change in that glorified body where it's like, it, it's like a double take, but the marks are still there. Because he offers Thomas, touch my hands, touch my side. And that means that there must have been still marks on his forehead as well. So when we arrive in that new reality, and when that new reality meets us here, you're going to see a Jesus that has a body on. And when you see him glorified body Jesus reaching out to you with a smile on his face, just remember he wasn't like that in eternity past, but he is going to be like that in eternity forever for you. Not for me, for us. Because of his love for us, altered for eternity, marks for eternity. And every time you see that, that is the billboard, that is the announcement of God saying, I love you. You're my son and you're my daughter. I paid the debt for you. And my son is an eternal billboard announcing my grace and my love for you. And all of that given to you freely. Putting your faith in the sacrifice of Christ, which is the grace of God. Salvation. It's simple. It's not a bunch of rules. It's a relationship. And I just pray that in these two weeks where we've really hit hard on this particular topic and this particular theme, that you would find freedom in that. That it's not traditions and it's not rituals and it's not doing things that saves you. It's resting in the grace of God revealed to us in Jesus Christ and putting your faith in the great sacrifice that restores you, that ransoms you, and that redeems you and brings you back into relationship with your heavenly Father. Let's pray together, church. Lord, we thank you that we can pause on this Sunday morning and just delight in the gospel, the good news of what you have done for us in your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you that he paid the price that we could not pay. He carried the burden that we could not carry. He carried that curse that we could never survive because of your great love for us, because of his great love for us as well. And I pray, Father, that as our eyes are open to that, that the Holy Spirit would find space to work in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives, that we would be a truly different people, that people would know and see that something has happened and something has changed. There's just something about them that is different. 
And that is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives because of the freedom that we enjoy in the gospel of Jesus Christ, which brings us salvation in the here and now and in the beautiful to come. So Heavenly Father, I pray for freedom. I pray for restoration. I pray for redemption. And I pray that we would delight and rejoice in the great ransom that you have paid for us. Thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, thank you for dying for us and paying a terrible price that we might be free. And Holy Spirit, work. Work that we might be a grateful and a joyful people as we delight every day in the beautiful sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, church, this is the moment in our service where we collect our tithes and our offerings. Uh, for those of you who want to give here in the church physically, uh, in just a moment, I'll, I'll invite you to come forward. The offering uh, is kind of over here. We can't pass plates yet. So if you want to give your offering physically, when you hear the music playing uh, with the screen behind us, for those of you who are watching online, thank you for joining us. And thank you for giving, even from a distance, so generously to keep our church open and moving. Uh, there you see on the screen behind me the phone number that you can text to give or if you want to go to the website. For those who are here in church with us, we're just going to pause for a moment. I'll get myself out of the way. Uh, and you can just make your way over to the offering. Just drop it in, and we just ask you to go back by the outside aisles to where you were so we kind of maintain that social distance. Uh, let's collect the morning offering. Church, just a few announcements uh, to send your way as we head on out today. And for those of you online, we thank you for joining us again. We remind you to stay connected with us, uh, either Facebook or by Instagram 
or by our YouTube channel. Invite a friend to subscribe to that if they're still at home and just kind of want to see the church from a distance. That's okay. Uh, Have them to subscribe and make sure that you're subscribed to it so you can always go backwards, all right, to any messages you might have missed and you want to catch up um, on, on our YouTube channel. So we remind you, parents, and for those who are watching online, uh, RC Kids will be starting up at 1130 in just a few moments uh, on our YouTube channel and also on our Facebook page. Uh, Miss Chrissy's doing a great job with that. Ivan's taking care of the kids while she's teaching. And we have the handouts out in the table for you just in case you want to take uh, one home for a little one or even a neighbor. We remind you that the men's Bible study meets on Thursday nights by Zoom. Uh, George does a great job with that. And so men, jump aboard with that. Enjoy it. I know that sometimes it's a little weird to see people on our screen, but, but jump in and enjoy it. You could always be like a little fake person if you want to. You can put a picture of yourself. Uh, but you can be part of the conversation. It's an amazing, amazing time that the men get together Thursdays at 7.30. Uh, we remind the college students out there uh, and some young adults out there, July 17th, Friday night, 8 p.m., Alex will be here uh, over in the conference room. Uh, social distance or outside of it, the group is too uh, much bigger. They're working their way through a very good series on, on Christ and some different topics. So you're invited to come on out and check that out. Youth group, uh, we're looking to maybe do middle school, high school, end of the month. Right now, the cases are very high, so we're not going to risk it. So we'll wait to the end of the month or early August to see if we can at least get together one time a month and just slowly kind of put that back uh, on track. Uh, Gigi, we're good. Jesus, give me a thumbs up. Uh, church, let's stand together uh, across the way. I know that I had talked last week about having a meeting Monday, Tuesday with the men and the women, but we're going to postpone that. The cases are too high. We don't want anybody to be antsy or nervous, so we'll leave that for later on the month or early August. Let me pray for us, and we'll dismiss. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another beautiful Sunday, a second step uh, here, getting our church slowly moving again. And Father, we thank you for that because your power is making it possible. We thank you for everyone here today. We thank you that they made it out. Father, I pray that you would just keep them safe as they head home today uh, and go back to work tomorrow and kind of about their business. We pray our blessing on those who are watching, Father. Uh, Would you just keep them safe, Lord, at home as well as they go to work and whatnot throughout this week, Father. But Lord, thank you that slowly but surely our church is coming back together again. We thank you, God, for this church. We ask you to guide her, to protect her, Lord, to be her guide, truly her leader, and that the Holy Spirit will be moving here, changing lives, changing hearts, and changing minds. So, Heavenly Father, may you receive all the honor, glory, and praise. Jesus Christ, thank you, and we praise you for sacrificing yourself for us, for taking the curse upon yourself that we might be free. And Holy Spirit, work in our minds, work in our hearts, free us from rules, free us from traditions, and just help us to truly live, knowing that by putting our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are saved. We pray all these things in the very powerful and precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Be safe out there. We will see you next Sunday. God bless you.